I mean, hello, sorry. Merry, merry Project A Plusmas. Thank you. And uh, you too. Thanks, bro. And also you too, listeners. Uh, what is this? A Christmas special? A holiday special? It's a Christmas special. So you only watch Christmas movies. That's right. It is a Christmas special. Um, what is the show? Oh, this is Project A Plus. Who are you? My name is Hugh. I'm one of the hosts. What's what's my what's my name? Uh, you're Hunter. Um, Christmas 2022. This is a Christmas Day present, in fact, because I've decided to. Uh, upload it for Christmas morning, I think. Mm. Christmas morning in Australia, so it'll be Christmas Eve for you, I guess. But whatever. Be a nice little present uh, for the Antipodeans. Those of you who received on Christmas Eve, you can choose not to listen until Christmas morning. Well, it could be a, it could be a Hanukkah uh, thing too, you know. But it's not; it's a Christmas thing. But you could you could be giving the gift of the Christmas special for Hanukkah that that day. That'd be a strange Hanukkah gift, almost offensive. Yeah, but, you know, we, we traffic in the offensive here, do we not? We're lords of Edgetown. That's us. Um, yeah, what do we have with us for this Christmas special? I both brewed a little mulled wine, I believe. Mm-hmm. We also watched a couple movies. I have a confession to make. Oh, yeah? You say you watched a couple of movies. Mm. And, um... That's accurate because we both watched a couple of movies for this podcast. But you also said something about the mulled wine. And I do have a confession to make in regards to that. Uh, yes. So I do have a form of mulled wine. Oh my god, you fucking bastard. But it's not the exact <laughs> You're com- You're complaining recipe. about me uh, being late. The only problem, like the problem was, like I, I, this wasn't intentional. Mm. I just assumed when it came to assemble this drink that I had star anise, and it turns out that in fact I did not, and I did not have enough time to go to the shops and get in. Oh my god! Even though I live right better. across the street from a supermarket. Oh, Christmas is cancelled. I just assumed I had star anise, but I, I never use it. So there you go. But I added an extra um, clove. I thought that would make up for it. But I think everything else is correct. I substitute the lemon for orange. Uh, Actually, I have, to, I have to make a confession too. What the fuck? <laughs> Mine's not as severe as yours is. Is it not? Let's let's hear it and decide for well, ourselves. Uh, castor sugar, which the recipe calls for, is not something that really exists in the United States. So I just had to make do with plain table sugar. I'm sure you have whatever caster sugar is called in the United States in the United States. I don't think so. I was looking at it. Oh, I think there's like some, I could buy a confectioner sugar or something like that. So I didn't buy that. I just use table sugar or uh, white sugar. So did you use caster sugar? So we both failed. <laughs> I think we can agree. Yeah. Uh, but on the snack front or the accompaniment front or the food front, whatever you want to call it, um, I did succeed in getting a wheel of brie and some crackers. To, oh my god, uh, were we supposed to do that? I completely forgot. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> I can go get some cheese and crackers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, well, maybe for once uh, your recording won't be marred by chewing sounds and rumblings. <laughs> We'll see about that, won't we? You can get some cheese and crackers if you want, if you're no, quick. No, no. You gotta get something. Have some, like, uh, veggie straws. You're never not eating on this podcast, anyway. That's one of my, that's one of my charms. How about, how about my, my Christmas, my Christmas gift to you is I won't eat anything this episode. Oh, that'd be great.
Anyway, so uh, here we are. It's Christmas. We're curled up in front of a roaring fire. You can hear it crackle as we speak, I'm sure. Our, we both have our dicks out. It's With our dicks out, we've got our uh, mulled wine. And uh, I have brie and some crackers. Mm. Which I will be uh, munching on while you discuss today's films. Oh uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think so, Buster. I should say, I do have, I do have something of a stack. Which is I quartered the orange that I soaked in the mold wine, and I'm gonna eat that. Wow. Mm. That's good. Cheers. Cheers, mate. What a lovely roaring fire. Mm. We have two lovely films to talk about today. We do indeed. What are they? We're gonna talk about as as per tradition. We're gonna talk about two straight to streaming. <laughs> um, Christmas movies. Uh huh. The fuck was the? F- what was the? What was the one called? Falling for Christmas. Falling for Christmas. Uh, that's right. Okay, yeah, we got Falling for Christmas, which was directed by. Let's see. Here, let me pull up Wikipedia real quick. Which was directed by Janine. Damien, is that a woman? I believe it is. Do we actually watch a, a, a female directed film for the podcast? Oh no. <laughs> it was written by a man though, so oh, it kind of balances out. Uh, it is a woman. A woman? Yeah, and it was written by Jeff Bonnet and Ron Oliver. Story by Jeff Bonnet. It was produced by Michael Damien, Brad Karovi, starring Lindsay Wilhelm, cinematography Graham Robbins, edited by Christy Schimmick, music by Nathan Wanner. The production companies were the Motion Picture Corporation of America and Riviera Films, distributed by Netflix, release date, November 10, 2020. Budget? Uh, it doesn't say the budget, unfortunately. Uh, we got 93-minute 90, running time, country, United States, language, English. Lindsay Lohan plays Sarah Belmont slash Sarah. Cord Overstreet plays Jake Russell. George Young plays Tad Fairchild. Jack Wagner plays Beauregard Belmont. Olivia Perez plays Evie Russell. Alejandra Flores plays Alejandra. Sean S. Sean J. Dunningham. Dillingham is Ralph. Chase Ramsey is Terry Carver. Elena Lohan, Lohan is Bianca. Blythe Howard is Dr. Layla Monroe. Lorenzo Loggins is Mirror Anon. Antonio DiCherity as Sarah Borden. Yeah, we also watched uh, the Apple Plus original Christmas musical. In May 2021, Netflix announced that Lindsay Lohan returned returned to acting by starring at Christmas or at comedy for the streaming service. Revealed its premise. All right, yeah, we also watched Spirited, uh, which is a 2022 movie that was released by Apple uh, TV Plus. Oh, I gotta make a confession. It, not in keeping with the spirit. Maybe, maybe perhaps this is maybe a target for the uh, spirits in the film. I did not watch this on Apple Plus. What? Yeah, I know. And by this, you mean Spirited, directed by Sean Anders, written by Sean Anders and John yeah. Morris, based yeah. on A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, produced by Anders, Morris, Copland, Dewey, Farrell, Elbaum, starring Farrell, Reynolds, Spencer. Manny Page, Barkley Morgan. Oh, you, can't even, you can't even commit to the bit. What? Framer Morgenthau. Let's see the cinematography. Framer Morgenthau. Well, that's a name to look out for in future, is it not? I definitely got to look out for it. Maybe not in the way that you mean, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, those are the films we'll be discussing today on the podcast in front of this fire. Hmm. Hopefully, when you listen along, you'll also be in front of a roaring fire. Whatever you know what? Do you know what? TV show Kramer Morgenthau uh, cinematography the pilot for the Many Saints of Newark. That's a movie. Thor: The Dark World. Nope, a little film called the or a little uh, pilot called the Orville. Really? Yeah. Wow, you can certainly see those distinctive uh, hallmarks. Mm. Of his uh, visual style. Yeah, it definitely looked one. like shit. <laughs> oh, I guess we should wait until we uh, get to the actual discussion of the movie. Which one should we talk about first? Um, I think we'll talk about Falling 
uh, in mm. Christmas. Falling for Christmas in Christmas. Should we talk about our lives? Do I have to like uh, scat about our lives briefly first? I'm scooby-dee-doo out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's been happening in your life? Uh, you know, working. Christmas is upon us. Hanukkah. Today's the second, third day of Hanukkah. It's the third day of Hanukkah. Third night of Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's all you got? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I am out of a job. Mm. In fact, as of today, mm. my position has been made redundant. Wow. You've been put on ice. Put on ice. Let me just uh, read you uh, from a little um, prose poem I received from my employers. Dear Mr. Hamilton. <laughs> Have a look. Let's have a look. Let's read it out on the podcast. Go for it, bro. This is my redundancy letter. Dear Hugh, re-notification of termination due to redundancy. As discussed with you on the 22nd of November... <laughs> I was kind of happy that would be it. <laughs> 2022. And advised to you in a letter on the same date, the company, capital letters, but undisclosed has uh, undertaken reviews into the continuation of the, shall we say the employer's name finally after all these years? Mm. The company has undertaken reviews into the continuation of the Nashi business and the financial viability of it over previous years. A comprehensive review of the Nashi business performance has been undertaken again over the recent weeks. The review has found that the business has continued to record a sustained financial loss, which the company can no longer support. As a result of this review, it was determined that the Nashi business would be divested. We previously advised you that the position you hold of kitchen attendant is to be made redundant. Since this time, we have been working with you to find suitable redeployment opportunities within Ampol, a related <laughs> entity of Nashi. You are also provided with the opportunity to express interest in available roles. The company has taken into consideration your availability and your ability to travel. However, we have been unable to identify suitable <laughs> redeployment. <laughs> As a consequence of this, your employment will now be terminated, effective from today, 21st of December 2022. Wow. Your final pay will be made to you in line with the next pay run, which we paid on the 22nd of December, 2022, etc., etc., etc. So uh, that's my little uh, Christmas present from my uh, employer. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, there will be no final pay run for me because uh, I was on leave, unpaid leave, yeah. during uh, the uh, course of this redundancy, if I can put it that way. So I get, uh. I get nothing for Christmas. Give her freedom from your shitty job. Yeah. And then I actually have to look for work. Which, um, which will be fun. Is. Well, I can't wait to... I'm sure we'll have uh, extensive documentation of your search uh, on the podcast. That's right. That's right. So you, you did make a comment or a noise um, in response to the part of that letter that discussed them working with me to find redeployment. Mm-hmm. So there was a bi-weekly email digest of available positions within the Ampol banner in Victoria mm -hmm. that we received um, from the boss. Mm -hmm. And um, there was no real information as to the nature of most of the positions listed, almost all of which were in, like, the greater Victorian area. None of them were, like, anywhere near me. Mm. And most of the jobs were described as team member and you don't even know team member for what, like what you'd be doing. So I just ignored all those emails, honestly. Mm. So I, I will not be redeployed within Ampol. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I mean, like I saw this coming because as you'll remember from previous episodes of this podcast in which we discussed my uh, employer, you know, they, they were, trying to sell the business pretty early on in my tenure and it mm. was only delayed by COVID. And then it got to the point where it seemed like we were going to be sold. Um, but the buyer pulled out. We were told 
it wasn't a bad thing and they were trying to reassure us and say, you know, this is going to be good for us because we'll stay under Ampol, you know, they're a big company. I mean, it was pretty clear to me that that, that wasn't good news <laughs> mm. because it was basically Ampol saying, you know, we tried to sell you, we couldn't find anyone who wanted to buy you, so for the moment we're going to keep you. That, that doesn't sound promising. Yeah, it does not. And coinciding with that, during the period where everything was closing down and they were trying to look for a buyer and everything, uh, the number of stores was reducing. Mm-hmm. And it became pretty clear to me that they were just running down the leases and we were down to like the final two stores uh, in Melbourne. And uh, it was only a matter of time before the leases ran out and they, they realised that there was no incentive to renew. And, you know, as the letter states, they weren't making any money. So there you go. So you saw, so the, it, you it was saw just, the radio on the wall then. Yeah, exactly. Nonetheless, I was still hoping that it would survive a little bit longer so that I could mm. return from my extended break and um, earn some money again before finally quitting the job anyway, because I was still planning to quit in 2023. Mm. Uh, actually, as you know, I was planning to quit before my leave anyway, but it didn't work out that way. But I, I want to refer you to another email I received, uh, actually earlier than oh this one. Oh, boy. I already knew I was being made redundant, but I hadn't received a redundancy notice until recently. Um, but prior to receiving that particular email, also received uh, this, this email. Mm. And I'll, I'll read out some of it. So we had uh, our payroll system administered via this company called Red Cat. I may as well name them on the podcast, why not? Yeah, who cares? And, um, and then uh, six days ago, I received this email from Red Cat, which says, Dear Hugh Hamilton, Cybersecurity Incident. Red Cat is a software provider that was engaged by Nashi Sandwich and Coffee Bar to assist with providing payroll software to Nashi Sandwich and Coffee Bar's customers. We are writing to advise to you that Red Cat was impacted by a cybersecurity incident in July 2022 involving some of your personal information. Mm-hmm. What information of mine is involved? Well, uh, my tax file number. Oh, Jesus Christ. My name, my email, my address, and or phone number. Well, that's not good. So, um, that's another Christmas present from, wow. <laughs> from Nash. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, should we uh, start with a little Christmas cheer and talk about the... <laughs> you step back from the brink of poverty and uh, compromised uh, identity theft and uh, talk a little bit about some movies. <laughs> Let's do it. My baby's an Falling for Christmas, right? Yeah, I'll I'll start. Okay, go for it. Uh, let me just uh, bring Actually, up. I kind of I kind of want to do it. I kind of want to do it. But I want to do it because then you'll have to do Spirited. I'll do both. I don't care. Fine, you do both. <laughs> but you have to talk about your opinion the entire time. <laughs> Let's see. Let me pull Wikipedia. Right. <laughs> Why are you itching to do it? We're both just going to pull up Wikipedia and badly <laughs> paraphrase it. I just want to do it. Fine. Okay, you. I want you to close your eyes. All right. Well, imagine, if you will, a world. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where Lindsay Lohan is not Lindsay Lohan, but in fact, a woman named Sierra Belmont, heir to the Belmont Hotel fortune. All right. I think I can manage that. Okay. Imagine, Ford Overstreet is not Ford Overstreet, but in fact, Jake Russell. The proprietor of a, a failing bed and breakfast slash lodge in the same general area, which not mentioned in the film, but was shot in Utah. Okay. Okay. First, let's start with who the fuck is caught over the street. <laughs> uh, he was on Lee. That's uh, all I got for you. 
You know when I read his name in the cast list, um, I didn't read it as Cord. I thought it was Chord Overstreet, and it made me laugh so much. (laughs) (laughs) It is Chord. Why not? Um, And we neither of us have heard him say it, so that's true. (laughs) All right, so uh, in addition to Chord Overstreet, we also have George Young. Chord Young. George Young. Britain's own George Young played a character named Tad Fairchild, who is uh, Sierra Belmont's longtime boyfriend and uh, acclaimed uh, social media influencer. Hmm. Okay. And Jack Warner Wagner is not Jack Wagner, but in fact, Beauregard Belmont, the proprietor of the Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the name. Uh, Olivia Perez. Let's, let's go for it. Go, go for that. Uh, Olivia Perez plays Amy Russell, who is Chad, Chad, <laughs> Jake's young, precocious Jersey girl daughter. <laughs> There's also a grandma, Alejandra, who's thrown in there, and some other characters. Okay. Can I open my eyes yet? No, I haven't got even said anything about the plot at all. Oh, I've given you some background a little bit, and not even adequate at all. All I did was fumble over this credits list, this cast list on Wikipedia. So, Sierra Bellbot has had everything provided for her. She's your typical rich girl, doesn't know how to do anything, has uh, given a sinecure position at the hotel, is the vice president of quote and unquote atmosphere by her. Richer than God, father. And she's fetid through life uh, on the backs of several, I assume, very low-paid assistants. And um, we start the movie. The movie starts with her on the first day of the job. She wakes up and... uh, some stuff happens, who cares? Uh, she has an extensive routine. She's pampered. <laughs> she's bored. She doesn't know what to do. She's she's dumb, too, I guess. She looks like she's about 50 years old. <laughs> Come on, she doesn't know that. <laughs> okay, let, let's say mid-40s. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like she's too old to be doing what she's doing at this point. Now, um... Into this new routine, bustles her. What is what is that tapping? boyfriend? Uh, Tad, who is an annoying influencer. Uh, Sierra introduces him to her father. The meeting does not go well, unfortunately. Um, and uh, 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 Beauregard does not seem to regard Tad with much of uh, uh, respect, and uh, even even fails to remember what his name is on the. So Beauregard has no regard for this fellow. Shut, shut up. So, um... Pro- across town, uh, Jake Russell is preparing a business proposal, which he runs over to present to Beauregard. He ambushes them on the slopes. And Beauregard says, if you beat me down this hill, you know, I'll listen to what you have to say. So he, be- he doesn't beat him down, but Beauregard listens to him anyway. He's basically like, you know, we want you to invest in this in. It's a nice place, whatever. Beauregard deigns not to, says fuck off in so many words. And Jake slinks back to the shitty lodge to uh, bury his sorrows uh, in the lap of his wife's mom and his young Jersey girl. Um, Therein is on the precipice of destruction. Unless something major happens, like the influx of cash from a wealthy lodge owner like Beauregard, the inn is doomed. Presents a stark contrast from the SpaceX trappings of Beauregard, of the Belmont Resort, and presents a more homely, down-to-earth, and affordable version of Christmas cheer and snow fun. Now, uh-huh. obviously, these two worlds are going to collide violently. How does this happen, Hugh? Well, let me tell you. Tad basically abducts Sierra on a mission 
to go to a dangerous skiing spot in order to post a sick video for his followers. Alas, what should happen but in this zone of cell phone deadness that they should fall in different directions? Sierra sustained, I assume, a massive head injury, which causes her to forget everything about herself. While Tad eventually washes up in the company of a friendly ice fisherman named Ralph. Uh, another thing we should mention is that uh, Jake has a dead wife. He's got a classic dead wife. But everyone seems to have gotten over this fact but him. His daughter seems... Now, this is, this is something that's not stated in the film. But using my uh, film degree from uh, accredited university, I was able to discern the fact that, you know, there's a, a sequence where she goes to a Christmas village with her grandmother, and she writes a wish on a piece of paper which is attached to a tree. And now, Hugh, I was able to uh, utilize my honed film criticism skills to understand, via context clues, that what she wished for, in so many words, was her father to have another chance at life and love. Or as I wrote in my notes, I wish that my dad would get some pussy. Yeah. Now, there is a mysterious man watching over all of this who runs the chestnut stand. Uh, I got major pedophile vibes for it, but that doesn't seem to actually <laughs> occur. He's a classic Brian Doyle Murray in 17 again. Everyone knows that character. Indeed, the famous archetype. Yeah, the magical pedophile. As previously stated, Sierra has been knocked out and abandoned on the bottom of a slope, like a piece of garbage. Jake is doing a Christmas ride on his rickety sled with a, a couple who seems composed of a... Uh, uh, interracial couple. Very interesting. I, I somehow doubt that in Utah <laughs> there would be this many uh, black people, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, anyway, so uh, he stumbles upon her her body and saves her. Like I said, she's been knocked out um, and has forgotten everything. Eventually, she adopts the name of Sarah. I can't remember exactly why, but she just I guess she just likes it. And she starts doing chores around the house, around the lodge. And he, could the sparks of romance fly between these two youngish lovebirds? Yeah. Is a Christmas miracle in mind, in, in, in sight, in possibility, in our hearts? Yeah. Is there a Christmas miracle? <coughs> well, I guess yeah. we'll find out. Yeah. Now, Hugh, all that's left to ask you is, uh, what did you think of Falling for Christmas? Was this another bit of slop in the Netflix stew bowl, or was there a tasty bit of sweet potato or uh, uh, a nice cube of, of beef uh, that, that you were able to sink your teeth into and, and enjoy? Excuse me while I finish my biscuit. Yes. Um, all right. Falling in Christmas. Falling for Christmas. Hmm. <laughs> what was it? Okay, let me rephrase this. Do you wish that you, like Sierra Belmont, could be walked on the head and forget your life? Or forget, forget I ever watched Yeah, this. forget <laughs> I ever watched Falling for Christmas. Or are you, are you more like Tad and remain perfect memory of everything that happened? Uh, this was pretty inoffensive, honestly, for me. Mm. It was Christmas crap. It lacked the central. Um, mm. There's no. There's no gimmick. <laughs> farcical element that that provided the engine for such classics as a princess switch. Yeah, so I have nothing to say about this film. It just kind of, I sat there and watched it, and I was like, "Yeah, this is this is this is all right." I will say, I do think this film offered one innovative feature. Now, I agree with you. This film felt like 
Well, I, I guess I would say I, I thought this film was awful, but in the fact that it was just, there's nothing that was, there's nothing to it. There's nothing original about it. Everything happens exactly the way you'll think. There's no twist on it at all. I don't think Lindsay Lohan's a particularly compelling actress. I thought she looked really bad. I don't care if that gets me canceled. Um, she looked uh, older than her 36 years, I think. Uh, Which we should just we should just point out. At this point is the same age as uh, one of the co-hosts of this podcast. Me. So I I don't think she looked necessarily older than her years, but I think she does suffer the problem that a lot of um, actors suffer when they become famous quite young, mm. and they have a certain look that that uh, Disney casting agents go for well it also it also looks like she's had some work done well that's what i mean and then they and then they're kind of like they're kind of stuck in that look that they're originally cast for and they end up getting work done and then they age kind of poorly as a result and obviously not be not not be an a-list celebrity she doesn't have access to the really good stuff that you can't tell what's that anything yeah yeah so she looks just kind of she looks old i don't know what else to say (laughs) She's not aged gracefully. Um, nice. Thank you. Um, beautiful. Now, Hugh, I do think this film offered one innovative feature that I think uh, maybe you'll agree with me on, maybe not. But I thought it was fascinating. Which is, this film takes the classic 90s rom-com trope of the gay uh, best friend to the female character, right? Oh, yeah, this kinda is bizarre. It, kind of turns it on its ear a little bit. <laughs> now, this is a truly original feature, which is instead of having the, you know, the classic uh, pairing of the beta male, the Baxter, you know, that the mm-hmm. uh, female is with initially and then falls out of love to, to hang out with the, the alpha hunk who's going to fuck her brains out. I don't like the... the <laughs> Basically, it takes the subtext of all those movies that, you know, the, the person that the girl is with is, is a gay loser. It makes it a text. And then it combines the Baxter with the gay best friend to make yeah. it a completely original character that I like to call the gay boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that was such a bizarre trope. Now, you know, it, it but it's also like, very conservatively executed. Yes. They don't want to say anything outright. There's no like embrace and, of uh, again, the, and, the gay assistant. And, and initially, I was like, "Am I am I being a little homophobic for thinking this guy seems a little gay?" Well, there's, but there's all this <laughs> suggestion, even with his interactions with like the yeah. poacher Ralph. Like, yeah. there's a weird thing there where I was thinking, "Are they going to end up together?" Is that he, what this even, projector even, is? Even with his interactions with Lizzie Wohan makes it seem like he's like the gay lover to the out of touch. Yeah, yeah, that's woman. that's the way his performance is. Um, Calibrated. calibrated yeah um i thought that was really strange the subplot with them is is so bizarre <laughs> like, yeah so is this guy just just straight for pay is that the idea or what, what was going on with that <laughs> it is bizarre he could just be by pansexual yeah i guess that's true that's true i guess i'm just very close-minded and in, in traditional Ooh. um but the way his plot line ends with him just Pointing at the, again, not not ever explicitly said gay, but effeminate uh, assistant, you know, kind yeah. of pretty pretty stereotypically uh, uh, coded as gay character. Yeah, being like, okay, you know, I got over the the piece of old meat that I was I was I was I guess not <laughs> having sex with. Now I'm gonna you know you're gonna I'm gonna fuck, I'm gonna start fucking you now. And the guy's like, okay, I don't have any agency. Why not? <laughs> Here you and there's been no. There's been no, no, no connection spark, between no, the two characters at any point in the film up until that point. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was that was very uh, unusual. Yeah, that was very strange. Yeah, I agree with you about that. <laughs> now, I also liked too that this movie had a, a, a pure a pure Jersey girl, which is to say, a precocious girl with a Latina mom and a dead Latina mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a white workaholic father. <laughs> and even even she's even being mostly raised by a grandparent. This is fucking Jersey girl. <laughs> well, it's like it's like 
almost every rom-com, um, <laughs> there is there is a dead mum, mm. right? Here we have two dead mums. <laughs> we get the dead wife trope, which is also a dead mum trope for the daughter. Mm. And Lindsay Lohan's mum is dead. Lindsay too. Lohan, yeah, having a single father, which is almost always the case in these generic mm. rom-coms. It's always the, the female protagonist is raised by a single father. I thought they were going to angle for uh, him and Alejandro hooking up at the end. But... Mm. Yes. That would have yes. been too perfect. This was missing a piece that you find in, again, pretty much every rom-com, which is the the fight before mm. the Act 3 resolution. Yeah, they don't really that have That doesn't actually occur here. Like, she regains her memory and goes back to her old life temporarily, but there I is mean, no there's actual no, no conflict between... The, or anything. Yeah, there's no conflict between the two characters. No. And you could have made one with this plot because he meets her once. He bumps into her and has like an awkward moment with her. Yeah. Um, before he saves her life. But on the neither of them remember it. But they don't remember it. But it should have been that she remembers bumping into him and saying like, "Oh, so you knew it was me all along," and he had to convince her that he didn't know. Yeah, uh, that could have created friction, uh, but it doesn't happen. Or, or uh, another way to create friction would be to be like, "Oh, I, I fell in love with you when you were <laughs> the child, <laughs> when you were mentally enfeebled by that bump on your head. I don't, I don't like you now that you're a, a, a annoying person with the actual personality." Or even have a thing like like the Beaumont um, Ski Empire is putting my ski lodge out of business. Like they're the ones directly responsible for it. Yeah, it should it should have been more. Uh, you got bail. Yeah, but alas. So you weren't charmed by Lohan. Were you charmed by Overstreet? No. <laughs> you, there is not, he's nothing. <laughs> he, he looked like... disconcertingly <laughs> like an off-brand version of like a couple of actors like meshed into one, and I couldn't get yeah, over that the whole he time. Like, uh, he kind of looked like, like a, yeah, like the, the you know, uh, Mexican non-union equivalent version of uh, Brady Corbett or something like that. That's, that's he looks the... a little bit like a, a, a Culkin sibling or something. Mm. That still has that 90s uh, swooping hair hairdo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought he was... Uh, I, I have no opinion about him. He, he did not exist. <laughs> he doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, did, he was in he the did, right film. <laughs> he, he and Lohan are only separated by uh, three years, but it, she, she looks much older than he does. Is he three years younger? Yes. Okay. Um... Anyway, yeah, this movie fucking sucks. I, was, say, I will say I it's watchable. Sheet, it's perfectly no, it's watchable. I, the, For this, like, that, Hallmark that, Netflix... It, it, it would be watchable if it were shot on film. The fact that it had every film, every, like, cheap piece of shit now has this, like, awful digital sheet that just, like, you can't even enjoy the environment. It's just, like, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true, shit. and it, it does it does very much go against like the aesthetic they're trying to create with the North Star Lodge, and it's like old school Christmas yeah. charms. Have you, have you uh, been, and like, they go to like a Christmas market and stuff. Everything all. looks it's, like it was shot like, on a soundstage. <laughs> like the snowstorm where they have the accident uh, looks extremely oh, phony, God, and you just awful. have like digitally generated snow. Uh, it was terrible. So I think I think uh, that. Uh, quality robs any visual pleasure you might have in this it kills the mood entirely there's nothing christmasy about this it fucking sucks i hate christmas <laughs> <laughs> but you wish this was more christmasy yeah i you know what if this is more like a shitty like uh norman rockwell painting of christmas this would be much better yeah i agree yeah no, I, I like Christmas, but I like, you know, I like traditional images of Christmas. I hate, I hate like, neo-Christmas stuff. I don't know if you agree with this. I hate when people, like, sing with auto-tuned voices about, like, and, like Christmas. <laughs> you don't like, like Glee Christmas. I hate, I hate Glee Christmas. I hate, like, when, like, you know, you get, like, uh, sick beats in your Christmas songs, you know? They're supposed to be, like, <laughs> that makes you fucking, that makes you want to kill someone. I like the Nutcracker review. <laughs> We'll, we'll talk more about this uh, with our next film, I think. <laughs> it's amazing how much shittier... All, all of these things are just, like, shitty propaganda for, you know, the the American experience of, of Christmas, right? It just is like this consumerist holiday. 
You know, Wait, it used what? to look good at least. Now, 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 now it can't even look good. Now we don't have we don't even have good looking images anymore. All we have is washed out crap. Yeah, if, we, if we're going to watch propaganda, we want it to be beautiful yeah, exactly. propaganda. Seductive propaganda. Uh, uh, anyway. Uh, I, hate, I hate this movie. I hate what it stands for. I hate watching these movies. They always get I worse. I love watching these movies, and we're never going to stop. I agree we're never going to stop, but I think I think they're getting worse. I think the... Uh, uh, well, they are getting pleasure. worse, because what did we have before this? Like, The Princess Witch 3? Yeah, which was... Which was much better than this. Horrible. Yeah, I feel like if we go back to that, we'll enjoy it even more. <laughs> yeah. And one thing I didn't think was funny about this movie is that I, I love the vision of small-town uh, America that this movie uh, expresses in, in movies of this ilk express, especially uh, films that are were shot at, like this film was in, in Utah, where it's like very <laughs> racially diverse. Mm. I just think it's so funny. It's like... <laughs> you know, I, I imagine that a lot of these towns, uh, you know, before, I mean, maybe, maybe some are still today, were like sundown towns, you know? And it's like, I just can't, I can't square... Uh, <laughs> it just... It just doesn't work. Again, this is something we'll return to in the next movie, too. <laughs> With the uh, the biracial utopia of Victorian, <laughs> Victorian England. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I didn't I realize interracial marriage was so big yeah. back then, but never, never mind. <laughs> I didn't realize that, that London was almost 50% black people. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's, let's move on, I think. Is there anything else we can bring out of this fucking stone? I don't think so. How many uh, Christmas sucks. mittens out of ten? <laughs> zero, zero. <laughs> All right, what, what what do we got next on the on the docket? What's the what's this piece of other piece of shit called? Uh, it's called Spirited. <laughs> Apple TV Plus film stars Will Ferrell, who plays a mysterious character whose identity we only learn about halfway through the film. Uh huh. Who is the ghost of Christmas present? Now, in this film, because every fucking movie has to be annoying now, basically takes the premise of a Christmas character, a carol, a book I have never read. Uh huh. In that, you know, there, you get the standard thing. There's a, 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 a Scrooge. There's a, a guy, a bad guy, who is visited by three ghosts and turns into a good person. Uh, now, what this imagines is instead of being just a one-off event, in fact, uh, Scrooge's, uh, I don't know, conversion to the path of light of righteousness was done as part of a sort of afterlife bureaucracy. Wow, yeah, That's I know, original. pretty, pretty crazy. Um, that is—it's like defending your life, <laughs> um, or the good place, or the good place, or any number of shitty things. <laughs> so there's this uh, afterlife bureaucracy. Will Ferrell is the ghost of Chris's present. Uh, let's see, who else we got here? Sunita Mani is the ghost of Christmas past. Uh, and Tracy Morgan does the voice of the Christmas yet to come. The movie opens with them successfully haunting some dumb bitch played by Rose Byrne. (laughs) Embracing life, which in this case means accepting uh, middle-class America and going out to have a nice, uh, uh, you know, suburban uh, neighborhood event of playing hockey in the middle of the street. Sounds like torture to me, but whatever. 
So yeah, there's this bureaucracy. Uh, they're in the middle of selecting the next target for their uh, assassination. Uh, and the uh, boy upstairs, the, the chief honcho, whose name is Jacob, and he's Jacob Marley, uh, uh, played by Patrick Page. I have to say, I thought did a pretty decent uh, uh, British accent. I don't know if you agree with I thought his British accent was, was, was passable. I I wouldn't have been able to tell you that he wasn't British. Yeah. So, so there you go. Usually, usually you like to, to complain about people's accents on the show, but in this case, hats off to Patrick Page for accurately doing a British accent. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, they've selected this guy who runs this fancy hotel who treats his workers like shit. Now, you know, I would imagine that's pretty much every hotel, but you know, what, I don't know. I don't understand why this brand <laughs> in particular is worthy of scorn. Uh, but um, midway through uh, scoping out this target, uh, the ghost of Christmas present uh, notices that there's another annoying person, uh, Clint Briggs, who's played by Ryan Reynolds, uh, and he is this PR guy. He's going to go talk, um, give a talk to these. Christmas Tree Growers Association. They're in Canada for some reason. Uh, even though it just looks like nowhere land. You know, Hugh, uh, there's this writer that I like named uh, Mark Fisher. And one of the things in one of his books that has always stuck with me is this idea of a no place. This place that doesn't really exist. That just serves as like a way station between other places. Like airports, malls. Those are like classic examples of no mm-hmm. places. Now, I think this entire movie feels like it was shot in a no place. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I would uh, venture to say that there is not a single real location used in this entire film. <laughs> Definitely what it looked like. <laughs> um, anyway, that's that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the plot of the film. So um, uh, uh, Will Ferrell is like, oh, let's let's target this guy. He he gives this uh, rousing speech to the Christmas Grower Association. Where he's like, uh, you guys are, and I thought I thought this uh, whole whole uh, uh, evidence of him being a bad person seemed pretty stupid to me. I'm not gonna lie. The fact hmm. that he like creates a fake controversy about whether it's good to have, uh, you know, uh, uh, grow uh, uh, planted Christmas trees or, or plastic Christmas trees. Who, who fucking cares? But also, yeah, like, it what, is what? funny that this is the thing that the ghosts witness that that you know um, inspires Will Ferrell to choose him as the target, as opposed to like him convincing evil people to do evil or something like yeah. that. You know, it's not like it's like it's like the the fact of the matter is it's, it's, this is extremely uh, I would say like uh, uh, liberal with a capital L film. Yeah. Uh, and one of the ways it expresses that value is it's like, oh, gee, why can't people just get along? And in this case, this means, uh, you know, having, uh, uh, it's just, uh, in the view of the film, you know, th- them complaining about uh, plastic Christmas trees is, is, is basically, you know, that's that's just, you can't stop Amazon. That's basically the idea. That's just, that's just progress, right? Which yeah. is stupid. Um, anyway, that, it didn't seem that bad. Who, who cares? Uh, obviously, the movie codes him as this monster. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But, uh, so, uh, uh, Christmas, Christmas presents, like, we gotta take this guy out. But Jacob is like, hold, hold on there, Buster. He pulls out a file that says that he is a dun-dun-dun, uh, irredeemable, what was it? Unredeemable. Unredeemable. Irredeemable, yeah, is the adjective, but uh, unredeemable is the noun, I guess. Is unredeemable a word? Well, it's ir- irredeemable is what you would say in, in actual English, but if you're, like, creating a new noun mm. for this film, I guess you can say unredeemable. Okay, Whatever. Uh, I don't know why Irredeemable wasn't good enough, but... but uh, Will Ferrell has been uh, the ghost of Christmas present for... Uh, it doesn't... I guess it's like been hundreds of years or something. Right? They say 200 years, I think. Yeah, but they say like 30 seasons or something like that. I didn't really get that. Uh, I don't know. Time comparison. Um, and... But he wants to press ahead. He threatens to uh, re, uh, become a human again. Also, th- this this <laughs> plot mechanic I thought was baffling too. Because at first I was like, okay, you know, uh, if he chooses to become human, he'll be reincarnated as, as a child. That that would make yes. logical sense, right? Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can talk about that more later. <laughs> anyway, um, 
So uh, he, while he's scoping it out, he also catches the uh, eye of Kimberly's played by Octavia Spencer, uh, who he wants to have sex with. Um, and he inadvertently makes himself visible. Yeah, he work, she works for Quint. Uh, she's like his uh, uh, researcher. Um, let's see, there's she some digs more up dumb the plot elements. Yeah, on, the, on the people that they're there's targeting. Some, there's some more plot elements. Uh, Quint had a sister who had cancer, and but who had a daughter, but she has a single mom, so her daughter is being raised by uh, his brother, whose name is Owen. His uh, niece is running for student council president, and the uncle's like, "Oh, can you help her out?" Which is which is dumb. If you were this guy's brother, you'd be like, "Okay, this guy's a scumbag. Like, we should not ask him for advice." Yeah, it's such a bizarre like plot contrivance that you would actually legitimately think, "Yeah, we should go to a proper evil PR firm in order to help my daughter win but class president." But in, in fairness, you know, everything about this movie is contrivance. So that's true. <laughs> so yeah, they go to they go to him for assistance, and and he does his usual dirty deeds tactics. Yeah, he's he's doing dirty deeds done dirt cheap, and that's right. He gets Kimberly to do some op- oppositional research, dig up some dirt on her main op- uh, opponent. Yeah, uh, basically they start doing the haunt. Things don't go exactly according to plan. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's a bunch of musical numbers. Uh, Turns out that Will Ferrell is actually Ebenezer Scrooge. He's the only other unredeemable that's been redeemed. Or I guess he's the only unredeemable that's been redeemed. Up to um, this point, yes. Yeah, and he is very insecure about this fact. Um, anyway, there's a bunch of musical numbers. Is is Ryan Reynolds... Does Ryan Reynolds get, get redeemed? Does Ryan Reynolds get redeemed? Well, I guess I guess no one will no one ever now. It's is fucking terrible. What did you think of it? <laughs> you could have framed that better. You could have said, "Is this film unredeemable?" Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> let me, let me, let me yeah, just just erase that. Uh, now, you uh, are are you like Jacob Barley? Have you stamped a big unredeemable sticker on this film's file, <laughs> or are you like Will Ferrell? Are you like, well, maybe there's something good here? Okay, so. Uh, I will confess that when I sat down to watch this film, only this morning, uh, Uh I had switched on my VPN service of choice and accessed one of those uh, disreputable websites that uh, offer stuff like this for free and get around the the streaming paywall. Wow. Um, All for the price of uh, malware or something on your computer. (laughs) You know know the sites I mean? Mm. In In order to have watched the film Spirited Legally... I would have had to signed up or renewed my subscription for Apple TV Plus at a cost of nine ninety nine Australian a month. Fuck that! In order to watch this Will Ferrell slash Ryan Reynolds Christmas movie, you're you're unemployed. You can't afford extravagance. Yes, I'm like unemployed, that. freshly unemployed, and Lord knows there's nothing else on Apple TV Plus to justify the cost of a subscription, even for one month. Oh, you could watch the upcoming uh, TV series that Joe Tippett stars in, Godzilla and the Titans. <laughs> anyway, I queued up the movie. It was all working okay on this uh, weird website. And then around the 10-minute mark, something happened. Mm. So it was during the scene when the Ghost of Christmas Present, played by Will Ferrell, first encounters Clint, played by mm. Ryan Reynolds, and there's that uh, aforementioned musical number that he performs in front of the Christmas Tree Association or whatever they were called. Mm. And I just thought about all the effort that had gone into this. The casting, the rehearsals, the writing, the production, the choreography, the vocal coaching. So the film cost $75 million in labor and resources. Wow. And I couldn't throw away a mere $9.99 on an Apple TV Plus subscription. Who am I, Scrooge? Are you? So I, I closed the tab. I'm not lying to you now. This is not this is not for a bit. I, I genuinely started watching this. I watched ten minutes of it on a Leo website. I closed the tab during that musical number. I renewed my Apple TV pretty, Plus subscription. This is pretty uh, pretty gay, bro. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and I I queued up Spirited, uh, you know, to the point where I was, and resumed my viewing. In glorious, unstuttering, high definition. And do you know what this means? 
means that I will have to watch every episode of Severance <laughs> for the next oh, 30 days. God. <laughs> oh, you can, you can watch The Velvet Underground. I did watch that. Oh, yeah. Maybe I had Apple good, TV good Plus at the time. I had a free trial. Oh, probably got it the same way I did by, uh, by a new Apple product. But, all joking aside... <laughs> I didn't hate this film. What's fucking? What's wrong with you? <laughs> now, now, granted, much much of the enjoyment that I derive from this film stems from the thought of you, that is Hunter, having to sit down <laughs> and watch this film as well. And it, it was this this thought in particular that made the insane running time <laughs> uh, that much more bearable. Hours. I, I think it was I think it was close to six hundred hours <laughs> the last count, <laughs> but it, it did become increasingly amusing um, every time they burst into a, a fresh new musical number when the film should have ended like twenty minutes prior. <laughs> but you know, I, I again I didn't hate this film on the whole. Yes, the musical numbers are terrible. Everything is staged like an episode of Glee. That is true. Yes, as I said, there doesn't appear to be a single real location at any point in this film. It's singularly ugly. Everything looks like it's been superimposed over yes, green Yes, the skin. music is is has is both has has every the problem every modern musical that it is both forgettable and annoying. Uh, and 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 yes, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds are occasionally, maybe even frequently, permitted to improvise. Horribly, they're kept in check a little bit. By the constraints of the narrative and the musical numbers, but there's definite moments still, where it still has the, the it has uh, the stench of the stench of that. It still has the uh, effect of, of rendering the movie completely uh, void. <laughs> yes, but it is Christmas, no, and this not. film has a message that has never been more relevant. Cancel culture has gone too far. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Yeah, there's a little bit of good in everyone, including Harvey Weinstein. Isn't that weird that that's like the dominant <laughs> message of this film yeah. is, is that um, yeah. you shouldn't post bad things about people on social media because they might kill themselves. <laughs> I that, okay, that that was the only part of the movie I really enjoyed. Because <laughs> when I when I when I saw that you know uh, <laughs> when I saw that she she was gonna she he came out came out that time and I was like oh wouldn't it be funny if he killed himself. <laughs> we should explain this for the benefit of those yeah. Who, yeah. who decide not to watch this. It should be everyone, just to be clear. This is one of the worst movies in <laughs> You can you agree to that, at least, even if you didn't hate it. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's unequivocally terrible, but uh, I didn't hate it. So, so the, the this, part this of the This might be my least favorite movie we've done for the show. No, the only no, other, no, the only, no, the only no, other no. one that comes close is, is Tick, Tick, Boom. So, as we, we said earlier, um, Ryan Reynolds' niece... Is it niece? Mm. No. Yeah, it's is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it's his niece. His niece engages his services as a hotshot PR guru, and he gets his assistant, Octavia Spencer, to dig up dirt on her arrival for the school elections. Mm. And they find this video where he says something bad about homeless people. Mm. He's like, ooh, I have to... He posts a TikTok video where he's like, ooh, I have to eat dinner with homeless people. Gross. And then he deletes yeah. it. But Octavia Spencer finds it. Somehow. So Ryan Reynolds is like, this is how you win the election. You, you post that video. You'll be discredited. You'll win. Right? Mm. And uh, she ends up doing that, at least in one version of the events that we see. And it leads to, <laughs> leads to this kid. Who has had a turnaround <laughs> in the years since he posted his TikTok, which he promptly deleted, yeah. and has become a good person, a genuinely good person. Well, He's helping out at the the homeless apparently. shelter. Let's not get too far. Well, the film wants us to think that he is redeemed, right? Because his dad says, hey, you can post a picture of you at the homeless shelter and that will help with your election. He's like, yeah, but I don't want people to think that that's why yeah, I posted Yeah, but he does it anyway. That, that leads to anyway. moral complexity. I think, I think this kid is, is rotten inside. <laughs> He strikes me as like a Pete Buttigieg type or a Kamala Harris. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But the, the film wants us to think that it's wrong to discredit an eight-year-old, right? Not an eight-year-old. 
Well, it was eight like when he posted the video or something, okay, which I keep saying. No, they say he's an eighth grader. I don't know whatever that means. That's that means like uh, thir- thirteen. Oh, that's too old. He should be cancelled. He should have killed. He should be. Uh, he was he, right to kill himself. It, yeah. I, I was actually hoping they would go one step further and have him become like a school shooter. <laughs> I think that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have enjoyed that. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> but anyway, we see... Um, oh, so this this actually is shown to Ryan Reynolds by the Ghost of Christmas Future or whatever. Mm. Uh, that we see that the flow-on effect from his niece posting this video is that the kid goes on to take his own life. Okay, we should talk about the fact that uh, when it's revealed that uh, Scrooge is Scrooge, they go back to Victorian England because this is a you know liberal movie made in uh, 2022. Of course, it's the most racially diverse place that's ever existed. There are two interracial marriages shown in that brief sequence. Isn't that <laughs> <Fucking> insane? bizarre? <laughs> <laughs> Not just the fact that like the extras in the background are like unusually diverse for Victorian England. Just, I, I, I think of the like like. A uh, uh, winchies that would occur if there was an interracial marriage during that time. It's fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it reminds me of uh, uh, wait, that Lady in the Tramp movie, which is a similar thing about uh, Jim Crow South. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I think that's a, maybe a little bit uh, more offensive. But, uh, this movie is fucking, fucking awful. And I, I hope, I personally hope that everyone who made it gets gets sick of cancer and dies. Oh, we should talk about the fact that, okay, so we brought this up a little bit, but uh, Will Ferrell wants to become a human so he can, can stick his, his his cock into Octavia Spencer, right? Stop talking, um, but yes. Um, and uh, uh, basically, he eventually, midway through the movie, he's like, okay, I'm going to become a human again. You're like, okay, what's, what's going to be the, oh my god, is he going to remember? Is he going to become a child? No, he just becomes Will Ferrell as a adult man in his fifties. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely did not understand the logic. That was of this so funny to me as well, because obviously you can understand why, from the filmmaker's perspective, they do that so they can keep Will Ferrell being Will Ferrell for the rest of the film, right? And just resume the relationship that they already established in the dream world. But like. It, I'm going to live out, like, the next 20 years of my life instead of having 200 years yeah, in I don't comfort what happens trying to when he redeem dies humanity. Again? What, I, was he only 50 when he died the first time? I didn't... <laughs> I did not understand that at all. I didn't make it... Not make it a goddamn like this. Also, is his relationship based on lies? How does he make money as a human? <laughs> also, how do they... How old are they supposed to be at the, in the ending scene? Because they have, like, two... Uh, kids who are like you know like eight, eight or nine that's but, true but both, yeah both so octavia spencer forward. both octavia spencer and will ferrell in their, are in their 50s that's that's post a uh, child having age at least for for uh <laughs> women are they adopted kids like <laughs> <laughs> imagine imagine like your parents you're, you're an eight-year-old and your dad is like 60 years old like what's going on <laughs> That was very. I thought that was extremely unusual. Mm. It seems as if he he's come clean to Octavia Spencer about his wife, or but is she not concerned about the fact that she knows the truth about the afterlife? Like, if someone was to t- if I were to discover that, I would not keep that to myself at all. Also, what 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 process by which? Because clearly there, there's multiple levels of afterlife that are established here, right? What what was the I don't I don't get the like um, uh, uh, cosmology like why do some people go become like uh, you know g- ghost of Christmas whatever is and some people are just like sent to heaven like what, what the fuck is going on 
Isn't it a punishment that they have to be bureaucrats for this? It does sound like my idea of hell being in the, this, this shitty musical numbers for an eternity. <laughs> but what, what, I, I, why is his retirement not going to like the next phase of the after Why does it? Why is he becoming human? It's, yeah, it is, isn't, it's so poorly thought out. Yeah, here's my question for you, Hugh. Off the top of your head, can you sing the melody or any of the lyrics from any of the songs in the movie. Have you watched it this morning? That's my challenge. To you. I cannot, but I will say that <laughs> possibly the most memorable number and maybe the best executed musical sequence in the film is a deleted scene that they stick on the end credits in um, black and white. I didn't. I didn't even watch that. I did like that they went with the uh, taste of cherry. I mean, I thought that was kind of funny. The uh, Abbas Kurosami film. Yeah. By showing you the film crew. Huh? Oh. Come on, man. Alright, goodbye. Bye. See see you later. <laughs>